0: Hey, welcome to this week's episode of Voices in Hyperspace. I'm Damian, a.k.a. Legendary Black Lion.
1: I'm Mel Asylum, also known as Mel's Rebellion.
2: Yo, it's Nita.
3: Hey, y'all, it's Sunday.
0: All right, so this episode, we are looking at Season 1, Episode 7 of Babylon 5, entitled... The War Prayer. Um, the previous episode was interesting because it was talking about space Nazis. Um, the theme was kind of like the creeping specter of authoritarianism and fascism. I mean, you can't get away from it with the way that the, the uh operatives were dressed. They were basically space Nazis. Um, and that will be their role for the rest of the series. <laughs> But in this one, we are dealing with issues of xenophobia and ethno-chauvinism. And there was something, so, so full disclosure to anyone listening to this and able to listen to it, I thank you, first off. But second, this is our take two of this episode, because in the middle of recording this just yesterday, we lost all power and internet, and it was about an hour or so after we originally started or when we got cut off that it all came back and we just had to come back the next day. But there was something that came to mind while I was, you know, while I had that time to think about it, there is another element of dealing with traditions versus um, breaking away from tradition. And that is Londo's story. So this episode opens up with um, two Centauri, I guess, teenagers, and it made me think of Romeo and Juliet. They are escaping to Babylon 5, and they basically get arrested because they have some stolen credits. And you find out they don't want to get married to the people they were arranged to be married to. They were trying to escape so they can be with each other. Um, So that was the other thread that is in here. And um, before we get too far into it, I wanted to know what were y'all's impressions of this episode?
3: I really um, was just struck by how um, there's not...
0: I'm I'm sorry, can we... Mm-hmm. I'm not ready. Okay, no worries.
3: Can we like pause and help like refresh? Because when I asked the question, like, do you remember where we were? I was seeking like some prep to help me put my mind back together on what the episode was about before we started recording. And I just don't feel prepared. All
1: right,
0: we'll, we'll pause here
1: so my impression of the show was an expression of the different perspectives that humans can have when uh, confronted with their passions for other people, whether it's other species or um, personal
0: like um, what some of the perspectives that were expressed in this episode for you
1: uh the perspective of accepting other species or trying to kill them um then there's the <laughs> personal ones of um rejecting someone because of who they are or loving them because of who they are and then there's uh, mondo who just uh uh rejected the idea of love for uh his culture um not for his culture, but because of his culture, he rejected the idea of personal love, that it didn't ex- exist, but for other people it did. And you had um, the friendship between... Uh, what is her name? The poet and the... Um,
0: oh, yeah, Mayan and Berlin Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And then you had the two lovers, and then you had... Um, The other two human lovers are second-in-command. and Uh, Ivanova
0: and Malcolm. Yeah. uh, Yeah.
1: yeah. (laughs) So a platonic one, a romantic one, and one that wasn't either. It's like, I know you personally, and I have feelings, but, like, no.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah. What about you, Nita?
2: I was thoroughly distracted by the bi-gender symbol. That was um, put on the Mumbari poet and trying to figure out its meaning if there was any. Um, so when that that happened in the beginning, and she was called a freak. So I thought, oh, this is going to be a like gender identity kind of episode, and it wasn't. Uh, so then I was like, oh, well, maybe that symbol was adopted later to mean, um, like the two genders coming together. But no, by the time that episode aired, uh, the bigender symbol was already in, already in use. So then I was like, well, since it was the humans that did it, then maybe it's something like, human because other aliens don't do male or female i'm like no no no, they do they talked about male and female types of this of different species so it was just really distracting for me i didn't get any closure on what that meant um but for aside from that i thought it was a very uh interesting episode um i've had some conversations with other humans about things like sunday and i we've talked about whether everybody should know all the information or if just the few should know and which few should know and and that conversation came to my mind when the fish lady was like
0: (laughs) oh yeah Yep.
2: yo, didn't these children just get harmed? He was like, they be all right." Yeah. And I was like, so, why is he talking to her like that? <laughs> yeah.
0: When Sinclair, he had to pretend to be sympathetic to the xenophobic uh, mm-hmm. home front, home guard. And yeah, he was, he gave her the cold shoulder like, they be a'ight. Be all yeah, Don't worry, don't be afraid. But and it's, then I
2: remembered yeah. it, it was just a, it was just an act, but the lady she didn't know it was an act and then it made me think like should other people be briefed on the kinds of things because a reaction like that to the wrong person um could spark like trouble like what yeah. the fuck you mean baby i you know and she was very passive though
0: so. i mean and then earlier they also were well jakar was trying to incite a riot so it, it, it was very yeah. volatile and, um, you know, Sheridan had to thread a tight needle because, I mean, people, it, it wanted, the situation was about to erupt anyway. People were getting beat up and stabbed. Um, They didn't show us anybody dying, but they showed us people getting, like, really, like, really banged up. That scene reminds me
3: of that conversation that we had, Nita, and how I was on the side of give everybody all the information, but in that situation where you're trying to uh catch you know a criminal you if you're going undercover, that's a very you know good time where you know only a few people need to know in order to protect the undercover individual and try to capture the terrorist or whatever we're labeling that person as. Um, as far as the episode as a whole goes, um, I was kind of let down by the lack of, like, explanation of the Mimbari relationship between those two women. I was really feeling like there was some kind of connection between them. And as the episode progressed, I don't think there there was a lot of mm, dots connected as like why they felt that way. Um, But I really did appreciate, you know, how they, well, not even just they, but a lot of uh, sci-fi content really takes current social issues and draws some very easy-to-see parallels um, on television. And I am confused as to how people who are watching this content don't see uh, their bigotry being um, displayed for them in living color. It's, oh, go ahead, no. oh,
2: um
1: Oh, one comment about the choice in not telling people, I think because the fish lady was a friend of delin and uh, may and because Garibaldi is as nosy as he is, um they kind of <laughs> knew how she would react. It was unfair to her to be that terrified. I think it would have been more fair if you had got like um why are their names escaping me um the other reptilian guy, the main character. Jakar? That was, yeah, Jakar. If they had got Jakar in on it, he would have been more compli maybe he would have been more compliant and he would have still had that attitude that it would have that would have been appropriate for going into there. But instead they they scared this poor little girl to death. <laughs> <laughs> and um what Sunday was saying about uh people watching this content and not getting it. Uh, I was live a few weeks ago on TikTok and some guy was like uh, um, trying to explain to me how he didn't like Rage Against Machine. And like, I used to like it, but um, I found out that they were this, this, and that. And all things that are true about Rage Against Machine, all things that I love about Rage Against Machine. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, so how did you listen to them for years and not know that that's what they were saying and doing? I mean, they made it very public where their stances were. Yeah. So um it's it is amazing how people can just watch things for something and only see what they want to see. And actually I had that experience with Skippity Toilets. Um when I first watched it, I thought it was (laughs) What are we talking about?
2: That sounds like a
1: game. It's blown up on YouTube where um it's a battle between (laughs) Um, heads in toilets versus like the media, like this. Wait, heads
0: in toilets.
1: Yes, and they sing the song that is a mix of two other songs that blew up. But when I saw it, I thought it was an expression of like um, supremacy taking over, and then maybe the cameras and speakers were like people recording the corruption of supremacy and exposing it, which I was very wrong. Hmm. The toilets represent poop humor, and it's a battle between poop humor and traditional,
0: um, uh, like film. traditional entertainment. Yeah. yeah,
1: but then they had to show that the poop humor was taking over, which is why I saw all the supremacy percent percent. But <laughs> why well, I saw what I thought I saw <laughs> gotcha. supremacy. Yeah, they were showing supremacy because they were taking over, like, uh it's Hmm. your perspective i didn't know what poop humor was to associate the toilets with poop humor i associate the poop the toilets with um corruption
0: Hmm. wow but i think that so wow it made me think of something i wanted to um because explaining memes of over a podcast is definitely the peak way to experience these right So you know how people do that, um, they do that meme of Drake, like, kind of brushing off an idea at the top, and then he's like, he's happy with an idea at the bottom. Mm -hmm. So the way it formed in my head is, at the top, enjoying um, media without any critical thought. Like, we don't like that. But enjoying media and criticizing it and applying critical theory or at least a critical lens Even though you can, like, pick out the bits and pieces that are problematic but still enjoy it, like, that's fun. That's fun to do. And Mm -hmm. it takes a degree of media literacy. And there are a lot of people who uncritically consume media. And once they start to realize, like, there is a meaning behind this, like Rage Against the Machine or, like, Star Trek, and they realize, like, oh, this is left-leaning. I don't like left-leaning. How come I never knew this? You know, part of it is lack of media literacy and you literally were not paying attention to what was being shown to you, <laughs> right? Uh, and then the other aspect is you don't critically evaluate what you are consuming. Um, you don't, you know, you don't buy that cheeseburger and look at what the ingredients are or, you know, mm. that candy bar, Right. You like, look oh, at this the is...
2: ingredients of an all-natural, of something that says that it's all-natural, and then you look at those ingredients, but you'll ignore the ingredients in the Pizza Hut pizza and the Coke that you just drank. Right. Be, oh, there are unknowns in this all-natural thing. I'm not, it's like, what? <laughs> I'm cherry picking right. your yeah. interest in things, Yeah. People
0: do that all the time. Yeah. I think we all do it because, you know, there's there's a point where there are things that, like our um, broadband. Uh, is that what I'm trying to say?
2: Are you talking about internet?
0: <laughs> our bandwidth. Our uh, ability to pay Robbie, attention to so many where things. Where is your mind, sir? I do not know. <laughs> I'm, look, it's, it's a different day. <laughs>
1: it isn't <an> good. <laughs> yeah. Right yeah.
0: <laughs> but like your bandwidth to pay attention to so many different things at once, you know, it gets strained. And so sometimes people just shut things off. And in our age of everything being hyper hyper politicized, there are a lot of people who look at their media and they're like, I I don't want to think about politics in my Star Wars, right?
2: to
0: be about race. Right? And and it's like when you when you do give yourself the opportunity to look with a critical lens, you don't have to you don't have to dig very deep. You know, Star Wars was basically an allegory for the Vietnam War, and the empire is the United States government. Right? The rebels are the Viet Cong. Star Trek is a post-scarcity, post-capitalist, uh, they call it a social, social socialist utopia, but it's like a post-scarcity society to where people are not buying and selling and have careers about buying and selling. They're trying to improve themselves. And the reward is, um, you know, reputation. Um, people are rewarded with, Especially the scientists. That's the other thing. I'm sorry, I'm gonna go on a little bit of a tangent here, if y'all don't mind. Um, in Star Trek, they do talk about how everyone is into science and mathematics, but you have to realize like in Starfleet, you're genius level. It doesn't matter where you are, you're genius level, math and science. And it's just it's just amazing. So those those are those people that uh picked that career, they are like some some really like some some smart folks. That's why they can like, you know, plot courses and all that stuff with a with just a few um, you know, touches of buttons on the computer rather than sitting there trying to do a lot of math written out. They know they got it in their heads, right? And I think that's that's really cool. They do talk about it with certain characters. Like with Janeway, they really do emphasize her interest in math. But um... it
3: did with, um, who is the first black uh, female officer on Star Trek? Her character's name was what? Aurora. Uh-huh.
1: Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
3: Yes. Um, in the newer Star Trek. Uh, oh, yeah. They outline mm-hmm. like how very um, ill she was. And was she like multilingual in the hundreds of languages or something? Yeah. crazy Like that. Mm hmm.
1: They did that in
0: uh, Enterprise, too, with their communications officer, too. What's her name? Hoshi? Hoshi, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and it's really cool to see that, you know, we don't know that many people in one room that are genius level at mathematics and stuff like that. But, like, that has to be so cool. Um, Just, you know, just imagining that environment. Um, anyway, <clears throat> but media liter- literacy is really important. And I think um, you have writers and directors like J. Michael Straczynski that um, they're speaking to people who who do have a certain degree of media literacy, and they will understand the messages. You you know, if you decide to consume this media with a critical lens, and the cool thing is he can get things wrong and that's okay because it made you consider what he got wrong, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a lot that he gets wrong in this series, but that's, that's cool because we start to think about those things critically and like, how should we have approached this? That doesn't ruin the series for me. That just tells me that people have a certain bandwidth. We have certain perspectives and opinions. And as long as we are discussing these things and we understand hey, these are issues in life that that really do need to be addressed um, and we can we can think creatively about it, we're moving in the right direction because that's what sci-fi is supposed to do anyway.
3: Yeah, when you guys put it like that, it, it really does help pull it together for me and I appreciate y'all. I was thinking about the content of music that I enjoy. Yeah, I can kind of like catch the vibe from you, babe when you come in the room and I'm listening to my trap music or my (laughs) work music, my WAP music or whatever it is. And it's just like the most horrendous, ridiculous content that I don't actually participate in in real life at all. Like it's no reflection of who or what I am, but I really do enjoy the music. And I know that it's, you know, awful and degrading and, all kinds of other bad things and i just ignore all of that and enjoy it anyway so that makes sense
1: yeah oh when i um was a music major in college uh, i had a professor who said that um mindless music is great and he was kind of referring to like mall punk where they're not really (laughs) talking about anything not like the original punk where it had like depth and meaning and Political and stuff, just like I went on a date with a girl and it went like this. Okay, at the end of something, <laughs> right? <laughs> there's no meaning, no depth, like, it's like everyday life. I went to the mall today.
0: <laughs> it's like, uh, what they call bubblegum pop, you know, mm-hmm. is really catchy and, su- catchy and sweet, but at the end of it, there's no substance, right? right? I criticize a lot of music for being that, and that's you know. I always people criticize me and they're like, people like what they like. I'm like, yeah, people like what they like, but if you only give them garbage, they're gonna like the garbage. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. The throw throw some throw a throw a lettuce leaf in there. <laughs> oh. Not
3: you've been eating your salads and wanna mm-hmm. shove lettuce on people.
1: <laughs> I don't well, wanna I think,
0: shove it on people.
1: I think like uh, um K pop is like that for me because even if it is deep, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just enjoying it.
0: Mm.
2: Oh, yes. I used to know this Korean prayer in Korean, and I would sing it, and like, it sounded like like a jingle that you'd hear on a ice cream truck the way I sung it. Mm-hmm. And it was so fun. <laughs> and I it made <laughs> me smile to say it like that. I got in trouble for not praying in the proper korean way but oh. <laughs> it's just like, that's oh, like, no. there's uh that mindless you know i know what i'm i know i knew what i was saying but it's like i'm not saying it because of the words i'm saying because i like the way the words sound
0: yeah 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 and we we get that so like with sci-fi trying to bring the trying to reel this back in with sci-fi <laughs> with um what people like are laser swords and ray battles and starship battles and stuff like that. Or, you know, what I've been posting on the TikTok, like faster than, you know, faster than light travel and which ship is faster and which captain is better. You know, the whole, like the surface level engagement, like you, you try to figure out who the heroes are and then you try to pick of the heroes, who's the best, you know, we don't get too deep into the backgrounds of the characters or what role that they serve or the politics of the characters because that, that takes a little bit more engagement with the, with the media. And w- even more, n- more now than almost any other time, people just don't have the same engagement with media.
3: Um, I was thinking of how... Um, or is it the Mumbari that
0: yeah mm-hmm.
3: that had the poet and how when she had been uh, scarred and the doctor had asked you know like I can you know remove that for you and she was like no that she wanted to keep it because I think she was engaged um, with her content and the the peoples of her. Her world, I believe, were very engaged as well when she was um it wasn't clear if she was going to make it uh is it Malin was very upset and like expressing how serious an offense this would be if this particular um woman were to pass away because of how important she was to their culture,
0: yeah, she described it as. It would hurt the soul of the Minbari. Yeah. And um, I was uh, doing some recap with Nita yesterday. She was talking about how it is very important for us to protect the creators of our cultures.
3: I yeah. agree, Nita. We need to protect you at all costs. You know how important it is for you to keep on creating so that, you know, that I stay out of jail. in The end.
0: That you stay out of jail. Yes, I think we all should, you know, aspire to stay out of jail.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Need you time there in love.
0: Yeah, okay. I was sneezing. Oh,
2: okay. Um. So yeah,
0: yeah. Go ahead.
2: All of your energy into my well-being, uh, but that's that's kind of what I was figuring is the relationship between. Um, the Membari poet and Dylan is just like this connection to the culture because Dylan is very cultured in her culture. I don't know how else to ex- express the thought that I have. Um, and this poet is quote like the soul of their culture. So there is this deep. Um, admiration, there, and then I think uh, the poet under- also is connected to the culture very, very deeply, and understands her role, and is committed to that. So, so I think that is like the. I don't even think friendship is is the right word to describe their relationship.
0: It's like a. It's definitely a, refer- a reverence, but she's almost like devoted in a religious and worshiping way. Yeah, to her, that's what I think. Because, um,
1: what in the gathering when she had that discussion with uh, the leader at the time, I don't know why I can't remember anybody's names right now, but <laughs> uh, she he stated something, and she said that they had thousands of books written on that one subject so people who can come up with ways of expressing ideas are enormously important in their culture and those ideas according to what we learned from the um the soul taker person um it's very precious to hold on to the people who are responsible for those and she is one of those people So maybe it is, like, uh, not just a cultural, but a professional thing that connects poets with the uh, governing parties, because the government is ran by the the many books and poems and stories and ideas, philosophies that was written within their history.
0: And it makes you think about how we view our culture, you know, um, growing up, going to school, and if you study the liberal arts there's always this emphasis put on the poets, the historians and all of that. But we 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 lose that because our culture at the moment we're more about who is the most popular and then we look at who's the most popular, not really influential in a cultural way but influential in a marketing way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We want we, we we care about who sells the most books, who sells the most albums, um, the most who clicks. sells the most yeah, the most tickets, the most, uh, the most likes or clicks or reshares and all of that. And when you look at the people at the top of those lists, especially in the age of social media, there are not many people who are creating cultural, culturally impactful oh content. Um, right. One of the wildest trends on TikTok right now is the NCP live mm-hmm. uh, TikToks. It's annoying. It's ridiculous, and There's a couple so- of those creators are making like a ridiculous amount of money doing it. Yeah,
2: it's. I'm giving them the views. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, it was quite a few years ago. I think before engineering was born. No, I was pregnant then. Um, we did Black History Month, and for uh, we had like a Spirit Week for Black History Month. So like. One day they wore, like, black and, and green and red and stuff. Uh, the last day, Friday, um, they had the kids dress up like famous people in Black history. hmm and, and this is preschool, mind you. So the parents were dressing them up. So some of the kids dressed up in different careers that they thought would be cool that was influent- influential to Black history. And there were quite a few. Nicki Minaj is- like Like, okay and like when they asked the parents why they dressed a kid up like Nicki Minaj it was like because she sold so many records blah 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 like why did you make history like I can understand like for some reason I understand like Oprah Winfrey making as much money as she does being influential but I don't think it's the money that makes her important it's what she did to get there that's important but right. for someone like Nikki, not that she's not a talented rapper, why would you dress up your preschooler like that, me? Like you felt that that was the most important thing you could dress up your kid like?
0: Right, and and it's <laughs> and it's the thing. And here we go on another rabbit trail. It's it's the thing that disappoints me the most about hip hop culture. Uh, hip hop sold out a long time ago to the marketing. Mm-hmm. It's all about it's all about clout sales showing off your wealth there was a point in time where hip-hop was more was a counterculture and it was about exposing like day-to-day life and like hypocrisy in the mainstream um wealth disparity all of that history lessons and there is still an underground movement that is still doing that stuff they're doing it better now than it's ever been done but you don't hear about them because they're not making the sales um and you hear rappers talk about how oh i used to make i could make songs about marching and stuff but while y'all are marching i'm going to go ahead and get this money you know and it's it's frustrating because it's like not to get too much deep and in, deeper into that because we got to get back to this episode but it's like you have oh god okay i got to say this on this episode it's okay <laughs> you have white supremacy wearing black faces in high places. And the only thing that people will see is the money. And they'll say, oh, we made it. And it's like, well, that person made it, but look at what they're doing to everyone else. Like the money changed them. They, are, they, they become part of the system. And the system waters everything with substance down. And 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 that's where we get where people are like surface level engaging with with this media with this content because it's like if you if you learn that it's it's political, at least they got money though.
3: That at least actually he rich. ties us back into the episode because there, even though this show does not give the time to have tease that out, but when the the captain. Was going undercover and uh, pretending to like hate the aliens, but we, I just, this job forces me, you know, to behave this way, but I really wouldn't care if they died. And then when the organization was about to accept him in, they were like, well, we gotta test you and make sure you're down for the call, so kill this alien. Like that work from within you know, never is, you know, the best idea because you get put into situations like that where you have to, you know, become the enemy that you're trying to fight. It doesn't always turn out that great.
0: Also, there, what lines up with this is the 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 young lover's storyline because Londo, he preaches hard about how the tradition is you marry for wealth, it, you know, it was it was crazy because they were like the 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 guy was like well I'm 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 arranged to be married to the ugliest woman in Centauri uh, in the in, in the Centauri Empire he goes great that means she's rich <laughs> and <laughs> and the way that Lando displayed his wives he didn't love or care for them but they represented like his collection right. Him being married into their families represented his his access to wealth.
3: Yeah, those pictures were crazy, looking to the expressions on their faces. Yeah. And he said, knowing that they're waiting at home for me is why I'm happy to be here on Babylon 5. I'm <laughs> like, <"Yeah>, that's cold.
2: <laughs> confused by his opposition to love when he was in love with that other woman so hard. <laughs> Like yeah. you, you know what it feels like, and you know what it feels like to not have that. So, why are you um, not allowing, or or why? Yeah, why are you not just letting these people be in love? I
1: yeah. think maybe why was um, because he has his three wives, so why not have his fun on the side while he's sixty some light years away? He he has his connections because he was married. These kids haven't gotten married yet. They don't make. They haven't made their connections yet. They married a couple of old ugly people. Then they can go <laughs> play later. Like maybe the tradition should have been like, um, they did the, the medieval times on Earth where they did get married and have their mistresses on the side. Like it was common. So should they, and. <laughs> <laughs> that would have made her his mistress, but they could have also still married each other and still um, you know saw each other without actually having love as part of the marriage.
0: Um, Which, I, uh, oh go no. ahead
3: I'm trying to remember oh sorry you guys. um when Londo was objecting to their love, I think he was mentioning something to the effect that he's being affected. Like, he can't just let this go because of whatever position it put him in um, where he was going to get in some kind of trouble. But when he found the loophole that, like, you could be adopted by my rich uncle, then that gave him the freedom to go ahead and, like, let them do their thing without him also getting in trouble. So he was covering his own ass. <laughs>
0: I mean, yeah, but it was because he decided, like, okay, we have this tradition. Um, these kids, they kind of moved me, so how can I help them and help myself? And, yeah, he found the loophole that allowed him to do that and allowed them to, you know, choose and get married. But it, what it did not do was change the culture. It just changed that circumstance. And I think that's that's really important to pay attention to, because uh, Centauri culture does become a major topic later later on in the series. But the way Lando navigates that in so many different ways, it kind of it, it just points out the the fragility of these these type of societies. Um, you know the 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 arranged marriage. Uh, they're like an aristocratic type of society. They're definitely imperialistic. They still have an emperor, but yeah, the the fragility of those those uh those societies is is in the intricacies of the many laws that they have, and once once one of the, one aspect of that is um, exposed, the whole thing unravels, um, which. I think is another thing that J. Michael Straczynski is trying to point out. Like we have these very strict rules and laws, but they don't—they do nobody any good other than the wealthy. And once they start to unravel, you see the wealthy panic, which is what Lando (laughs) did. He was like, "What love? What does love have to do with marriage?" (laughs) So, I wanted to ask you all about. Ivanova's relationship with Malcolm. So Malcolm pops up and apparently they were they were an old flame uh in the past and he's trying to reignite that flame. Um What are you, first of all what are your thoughts on Ivanova having like an on-screen relationship like that?
3: I thought she was going to turn him down at every pass. I was quite shocked that she was reeled in by a rose.
0: What was that, Mel? I think you... Oh. You're,
1: you're, yeah. No, Mike is picking me up. I don't know. Yeah. I, I was feeling like I should say what I said yesterday. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, go, go ahead. Yeah, so I, it remind him being the way that he was made me think of her relationship with her father. And how she didn't entirely have a great relationship with him until he was on his deathbed, pretty much. So maybe she, as strong as she is and as confident as she is, did end up in some relationships where she was um, not as... She didn't show her confidence because she needed to bring herself down in order to get approval of a man because that's what she felt like she should have had to do with her dad, even though she didn't. So, um, when he comes back, it even though she's a strong character, a strong woman as she is, um, him showing any little bit of, I'm going to show interest in you, or I may change and and see you as you think I should see you, she would buckle. I, I think she. I think that's a good. Um, example of someone buckling under those circumstances and it's really hard to see that because you're used to seeing them being strong and those are the type of women who are looking for someone sometimes not always to treat you like a princess at some point point. and once you get that tiny bit of princess treatment it's like is it coming now
0: <laughs> hmm.
1: and of course he's the one who will see that in her that she's looking for that tiny bit so he gives her that tiny bit so that he can get what he wants and that's why she was very um standoffish about him when he first got on like okay you here i'm working like <laughs> and then when she finds out that he's a part of that group she's like yeah only if i can see you take him down like, <laughs> because he hurt her like he hurt her She wanted, she really wanted him to come in and be her prince. And then he turned out to be a jerk as usual. So (laughs) now I'm getting my revenge. Rightfully so.
0: So, um, the next question I wanted to ask is what did you think when they revealed that basically Ivanova chose her career over their relationship and serving in the military? Like, did that make you feel like the relationship was damaged and doomed from the, from the get-go or was their reconnection like legit an opportunity to try, you know, to give it the real try?
3: I mean, if he wasn't a terrorist, I think that would have been great. Um, I think it's happened several times in the show where people's careers have interfered with their love lives. Um... But with some I don't know creative thinking or compromise, I think these relationships could work out until you find out that your lover is a murderer. I mean, that's never really good. <laughs> yeah.
0: So with that with that relationship, we see that Malcolm is basically, I don't know if he's the leader, but he is definitely high up as far as uh, moving around and doing things for Home Guard. Um, they are identified as a pro Earth terrorist group, carrying out attacks on non human aliens um, on Babylon Five and on Earth. And it is it's very interesting that okay, so this this episode. Uh, aired in the nineties and there were they were considered fringe right wing groups but now we have some right wing groups that are very much in the media they they are producing content um this to this day that are that really fit this description Sinclair calls them uh hate peddlers playing off fear and ignorance to turn human against alien and if you just If you just change those last three words, they're going to turn, you know, American citizens against, um, you know, immigrants or against uh, a marginalized ethnic group. You know what I'm saying? Um, And they um, they're kind of there. They may not always enact violence but a lot of times we see them do that but they are inciting violence against these groups and um i wanted to know what do you think about those parallels because like back in the 90s you know these were like militia groups that hung out in the woods (laughs) you know a lot they they weren't doing the rallies the way we see them today
1: i um did watch a, a part of a documentary on uh Babylon Five, where they talked a lot more about the creator. Um, sir, sir, I don't want to say his name wrong. Straczynski. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, part of his family was from um, Europe during World War II. So even though mm. it models what's happening now, it models the history that his um, parents saw. It, like it's just repeating. Like either it's that religion or this race or this. Um, uh, uh modularized group. It's it. It kind of just keeps repeating itself so much that it could have been in the twenties or the forties or now or two hundred years from now. Mm-hmm. It's still the same somehow.
0: <laughs> yeah, and maybe that's what this whole series is about. Because I mean, you you see that Babylon Five is this this grand diplomatic project that seems to be doomed to fail right um and you see like i said the creeping specter of fascism with uh the psychor and you see the xenophobia and ethno uh chauvinism with the the home home front i keep forgetting the name of it i always so i'll in my mind oh home guard because i always get them mixed up with this uh mass effect group so in the game Mass Effect, there is a group called Terra Nova. They're basically the same thing. Um they're pretty hilarious, but they do have like a, a pro human rally in the Citadel. And uh if you get a chance to play Mass Effect, you know, get deep into the lore, learn about Terra Firma and their um their views. It's 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 pretty funny, but they do they do a good job just like in this show about you know, depicting what xenophobia and like those type of views can do. Um, I haven't the...
1: played. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. You were gonna say something. I haven't played Mass Effect, but um, one of my favorite authors, um, uh, N.K. Jemison, she co-wrote one of the books based on oh, Mass nice. Effect, and there's apparently a lot of those books, but that's the one that I wanted to read because it had <laughs> her on it. But. Uh, Yeah, you could also check out the books,
0: too. If you ever get, if you get a chance. um, So a couple of years ago, uh, Bioware released the entire uh, Mass Effect trilogy hmm. as one game. And it is called the Legendary Edition. So it's Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3 um, all in one launcher. Um, It's a lot of fun. Uh, Yeah, get into it. Uh, your shepherd so commander shepherd you can make him make shepherd male or female all, all kinds of cool stuff yeah definitely get into it um <laughs> what i wanted to to get into before we have to get out of here is there is a point where uh commander sinclair ties off some plot hole points from the series and i wanted to know if y'all noticed this uh-huh. so they were to he was talking to Ivanova about when Ambassador Kosh got poisoned. Did y'all catch that? No. Yeah. Yes.
2: The very where there was like, how did you get how did you get to his hand when his whole body is supposed to be shut up? Right.
0: Yeah. It's it's covered in an encounter suit, right? Um, and and Ivanova's like, well, maybe the encounter suit really is more camouflage than actually. Uh, anything else right which is kind of cool because it's it's like they're 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 thinking beyond that you know the uh Straczynski is allowing the characters to think critically about what has already happened on the show you can't just let stuff happen and let it go let's address it <laughs> and um he mentions how Benjamin Kyle the first doctor was transferred as soon as the incident was over and I'm like that's kind of cool that they mentioned that because they got rid of that actor um they also mentioned uh, Lita Alexander being transferred. She was the one that came in contact with Kosh and did. Uh, she read his mind to find the killer. So the two people who came closest in contact to Kosh got transferred elsewhere to Earth, and Earth wants to basically find out as much information as they can about this mysterious alien. And they're, they are speculating, like, is there a connection? Like, you know why does Earth want to have, why does Earth need to have these two people back? And um, I just thought that was cool because yeah, that all happened in the pilot. But people saw the pilot, and if you saw the pilot and you got to the the first five or six episodes, you're like, hey, what what happened to those people? How come nobody's talking about them? They they were able to at least weave it into this story. And keep us thinking, like, wait a minute, that did happen. Or if you didn't get to see the pilot, now you gotta go back and watch and figure out like what what happened? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Which again, I think that's that's some clever writing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, so all of the kind of the things that wrap up. We find, you know, the kids, they they get their happy ending. Um there's a point where, yeah, Jakar was a Inside in a riot, they got calmed down. Uh there was an Asian guy. He's scared to be arrested. He ain't down for the cause for real. I'ma say this. Don't don't be don't be downplaying Jakar. <laughs> You'll find out why.
3: <laughs> I'll believe it when I see it. He folded like a deck of cards. <laughs> no, was it like a picnic table? Oh man.
0: He folded like that chair. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um <clears throat> but um the way I described it, but he was inciting this uh this riot this uprising. Um I said basically Jakar is the Malcolm X by now in the series. People really do listen to him, he's an influential voice, but I don't think he's that powerful, okay. at least not right now. Wow, my uh, Google Home decided to talk to us. Uh, that's pretty funny um but yeah there was this asian guy one moment hold on hey google stop music jeez hold on y'all <laughs> okay google stop music i'll just cut all of that out <clears throat> so uh there's this asian guy i can't remember what his job is but he, i think his name is roberts And, um, I was distracted because I was like, there's like a trope here. I don't know what it is. And I think it's called the misplaced accent trope. So they showed us an Asian guy, but they gave him kind of like a, like a country twang, a country draw. He's supposed to, he's supposed to represent kind of like the everyman, like the blue collar guy. And I was like, something, something feels weird about this, but I think it was just the casting choice. I don't think it was, I don't think it meant anything. Um, and that actor was terrible, by the way, but, <laughs> but he, you know, he gets beats within an within inch of his life. Malcolm visits him and they're, you know, they're talking home guard stuff. And, um, you know, this all wraps up with Sinclair pretending to be with the home guard. They eventually uh, arrest Malcolm and they send him off. But it, you know, you get, you basically get One happy ending with the the Centauri children, the Centauri teenagers. Um, A sad ending with Ivanova, you know, the person that she was thinking about rekindling her love with is, uh, you know, a space racist. Um, And (laughs) I'm sorry? No, I was just laughing. That was funny. Space Uh, racist. And then... um, I guess Delenn and the, uh, the the alien ambassadors they get their happy ending in that they were being protected, and it's, it's very interesting because the humans, if if we want to look at it this way, the humans kind of took an L on this episode. Um, mm-hmm. and we have to put we have to make a counter now. But once again, Commander Sinclair puts himself in danger by walking into a clear ambush with no weapons and no backup. He was ready to take one. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. Yeah. He needs yeah. to be on somebody's couch. Oh, <laughs> uh, as well, like, soon
1: as he decided he was going, um, he's like, oh, well, they like people in power like mm-hmm. me. Like, you're going to do it again, aren't you? That's, a, that's That was the moment he ran into battle.
0: Mm hmm. He was like, I got to do it. I just got to do it. And but that's his that's his excuse i mean that's his reasoning every single time like it's gotta be me <laughs> mm. um all right any final thoughts on this episode we went all around the world on this one
1: i think it was relevant though like it's such a broad subject the the effects that expression has on how we see things and how we don't see things it it, it will
3: easily go everywhere Yeah, and I think it had three very um, deep concepts that were, you know, all tied together in one episode. It could have easily been, like, its own episode with the teenagers and then Ivanova's relationship and then the whole separate situation with the space races. It it was a lot folded into one. I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. What about you, Nita? Any last... Thoughts uh, on this episode. No. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Um well as we uh get ready to get out of here, I wanted to share. So I'm gonna push more Mass Effect because the better the more Mass Effect you have in your life, the better. Um the the term space racist. Uh, was coined among Mass Effect fans because there is a character that you meet in the very first game named Ashley Williams. Um, you recruit her, but later on, when she's on your ship, when you get to go talk to your uh, your crew and learn more about them, and you learn that Ashley is a straight-up space racist, like not the only one on the ship either, because uh, she she claims to have reasons. Um, depending on what you, like which missions you, you take her on and how you do, she begins to slowly change her views, but the humans in that game are pretty much trash. The alien characters are awesome. Um, and the MVPs are Garrus Precarian and Tali, Tali, uh, Tali Zora. Oh, what's her helpful name? Tally Zora. Oh crap! I can't remember. She changes her name later in the game. Anyway, play some Mass Effect; you'll have fun. All right, so um, let's get out of here. Is there anything cool that you guys are doing? Oh no,
3: nope. Just living the best life. Well,
1: there's there's a Facebook group for Voices of Hyperspace. Sweet. So you can join in the conversation on Facebook and uh, post things, us, and I'll be asking questions about the same thing that we're discussing here. So you don't have to just listen to us. You can comment too. Oh,
0: she's
2: going to quiz us.
0: (laughs) Oh, oh no.
1: (laughs) No, it's just look. It is Facebook posts. So you 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 can say it if you want to. Yeah.
0: and of course our tiktok is up um we're gonna have some fun creating content with that and pretty soon our youtube will be up and rolling um yeah this is voices of hyperspace we're gonna have us uh, some fun this is daniel smith aka legendary black lion
1: i am mel asylum you can find me at mel's rebellion i
2: uh, nita and i just joined the facebook group
3: sweet this is Sunday. Bye, y'all.